Welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, a podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Allie of Allie Ride. Hello. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Allie? Sure. Well, I'm Allie. I am a designer, a maker, and an entrepreneur. I am originally from Australia, but I'm currently living just outside Verona in northern Italy, and I've been here for the last um, almost seven years now. I, um, I design and make quilts, and I teach others how to discover their unique design style uh, so they can kind of confidently share their creativity with the world and grow a creative business. So uh, as you mentioned, you're based outside of Verona in Italy. What's the quilting scene like over there? Well, I have to be quite frank that I'm not really involved in the quilting scene in Italy per se, but um, I did discover late one night on one of those Instagram trolls that you go through, you know, and you get stuck into some kind of vortex. And I think I came across uh, a woman who had made a quilt as part of this improv uh, quilt challenge. So I did a little bit more digging and it turned out that this quilting challenge was run by something called Quilt Improv Studio, which is actually three Italian improv quilters turns out I was like whoa Italian people (laughs) who quilt amazing this is so exciting so they are Paola Machetta um, Giovanna Nicolai and uh, Carla Beretta and they're based all around Italy Uh, Paola's in Trieste Carla is in Rome I think and Giovanna is in in Venice and I'm not sure if they've actually ever really met in real life but they organize this amazing uh, improv challenges every couple of months on Instagram And people from all over just follow the prompts and make these amazing quilts. I don't know if you guys have seen it at all, but um, that's kind of my Italian connection for quilting. And uh, they were very generous to give me some tips about where to find things in Italy quilting related. So that was uh, pretty amazing. And actually, incidentally, Paola is also the... um, Are they called the mediator? She's in for my MQG uh, guild because I'm part of I'm an individual member and we're part of uh, the Beyond Borders uh, um, guild meeting and she runs that and I'm like wow this is amazing yeah it's so cool we meet up and people are from like there's a lady in Sweden I'm in Italy a few people from America join in because they're not close enough to any uh, physical guild or you know they don't have a guild that's close enough to them that they can join up with and um, it's pretty interesting yeah so all of the extra people from around the world who aren't based in the states who are interested in modern quilting we all join up there and yeah it was so crazy to find come across these people thank you Instagram algorithm probably people don't say that very much but (laughs) it's done one it's done wonders for me and my quilting finding these amazing Italian quilters online and uh, I mean that's how I've how I mean, that's how like Quilt Buzz was formed. It's through a group yep. of friends of Amanda, Anna, and I through Instagram. So thanks, amazing. Instagram. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Thank you, right? Instagram. Cool. We're so not cool. sponsored by Instagram <laughs> or Facebook. We have we have some comments actually. No, <laughs> we got some feedback. <laughs> yeah. So how often does this um, Beyond Borders group meet up? That's like a regular guild meeting. So we meet once a month. 
cool. There's actually two uh, international uh, guilds that are made up of these individual members. So if you you can join up to the MQG, I think as um, either a member of a specific guild or you can join up as an individual member. So this kind of group of individual members are often international and then there's these two international groups of individual members. So, yeah, we join, we meet up once a month and have a classic, well, I don't know, I've never done any other kind of guild meetings than these, but for me it's the classic guild meeting where we get together and we do a show and tell and somebody does a little presentation about some topic that's of interest to everybody and, uh, you know, yeah, it's great. So we know that you are an engineer by training and you actually used to work on oil rigs in Indonesia. How did you go from there to becoming a uh, quilt designer? Well, I um, <laughs> kind of in a roundabout way, I guess. I, I stopped working as an engineer in the offshore industry a while back and I went back to study architecture and I eventually got a degree in design, uh, moved countries, had some babies, got into sewing, um, my mom has always been a sewer, but I was always this tomboy type person uh, who was definitely never interested in sewing. Uh, so imagine my family's surprise when for my 30th birthday, I was like, can I please have a sewing machine? <laughs> 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 so that really started, um, that was back when I was studying design. And instead of doing my assignments, I would procrastinate by sewing myself clothes on my new sewing machine. And then I really started quilting, I guess, a um, bit of a classic story, you know, I had, I was going to have a baby and I decided I wanted to make a baby quilt. And then I kind of just kept going from there. And luckily I had a great sewing machine from my family. <laughs> so you design quilts. So for those that aren't familiar with your design style, could you um, tell us how you discovered that? And did it take a while for you to develop that? Well, I think the yellow comes from quite a long time ago when I actually worked at an architect's office and the principal architect uh, who worked there, he would only use yellow stationary items. And for some reason, this little thing kind of always stuck with me. Like he would only use yellow highlighters and yellow post-its. He had this special yellow, uh, like a tracing paper that you would use to draw over the top of designs to kind of work out details and things like that. And I don't know, that kind of thing really stuck with me for a while and I'd probably you know, was processing it over the years. And it's come out when I found acid lime. It came out again, this this sort of penchant for yellow, right? I saw this colour and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. I totally have to use this colour in everything. So that's kind of part of uh, part of what my design style is at the moment, I guess. It came from that, that seed that was planted quite a long time ago. Um, I really love a lot of abstract artwork. I love uh, abstract expressionists, you know, like Robert Motherwell's work is really something that I love. Anything that's kind of big and graphic and bold, black, white, greys, you know, that kind of style of things. There's another great um, South American artist, uh, uh, Ligia Clark, who does really bold graphic black and white designs as well. Um, yeah, so I guess anything that's graphic, black and white and a geometric pattern, I just love it. Uh, and that's really probably been an accumulation of experiences from seeing different artworks, different design, different textiles. Um, just over time, you know, there's a lot more exploration to do of all these different things in the world, but um, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So when you're working with this kind of more minimalistic color palette, do you find the parameters help or hinder you? Or like what's kind of surprising about working with that reduced color palette as you quilt? 
I think it is, uh, I think some people might see it as quite restrictive, but actually having those guidelines really helps you to focus down on one idea and really go deep on something. And that's something I've been exploring. I've been working on this series uh, since about January. It's black, white and yellow. And I haven't shared a lot of that yet with the world, but that's been going on in the background, which is exciting. It's really easy to make a cohesive body of work when you have a very limited colour palette. So that's really something that I've found working with this limited colour palette that's been uh, a real added bonus, if you like. I've started moving now into, uh, like this, for example, this quilt here has got a lot of different yellows in it. So I was just using one particular yellow, so the acid lime that I mentioned uh, earlier. Um, but trying to look at the nuances of different colours as well. And now I'm really kind of looking into a lot of greys and gradients of black and different types of black. And this summer I'd really like to do some dye experiments with different types of uh, black and maybe over dyeing with black as well and seeing what kind of effects I can get with that. Zero experience with dyeing, but this is my grand summer plan for August. Um, so, yeah, it's not. I don't find it really restrictive. It does give you that real cohesion to your to your look and to your work, uh, which is kind of like a, a nice byproduct, really, of of the choices that I made. I mean, it's not fixed; it could change. But for now, I'm still exploring these this this cal- this color palette for the moment. So, hmm. has this this color play and working within this this uh, simpler color palette has that impacted you know how you've approached creating your new upcoming design course for quilters? Yeah, I guess working in this series and really going deep on one idea, that's really helped to crystallise this design process, this kind of system that I have that I work with to to come up with ideas for designs and quilt designs. And that's going to be a big part of the course, right? So, yeah, as I mentioned, so working in the series, creating this body of work that I've been working through and... Uh, just kind of really refining and going deep on one particular idea instead of trying to jump around all different styles, all different colours, all different shapes and things like that. Sticking with one thing and doing it really well and kind of, you know, trying to approach some level of mastery. By no means am I anywhere close to that, but approach some kind of level of mastery in one particular thing before moving on to the next. And that's really, yeah, that that has really informed the way that uh, I'm going to approach this course that's coming up. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about the upcoming design course? Like what, what would our, um, you know, your students would expect um, in that? Sure. So the design course is really about going deep on uh, coming up with an idea for a quilt or coming up with design ideas. So you can kind of generalize this to other textiles if you want. I'm, I am specifically kind of uh, gearing the course towards quilters. So it's really about following this process that I have developed and come up with through my own work and my own studio practice and working in this series that I've been working in to come up with an idea that's unique to you and going deep on that idea and really getting to the core of what that idea could could be, what the possibilities of that idea are. You know, everyone can have an idea. It's pretty easy. Everyone comes up with thousands of ideas every day kind of like, what do you call it, a a dime a dozen almost, you know. But it's really what you do with that idea next that makes or breaks your design or really can take your design to the next level. So that's really what the course is about. It's going deeper into that design, really learning and understanding design principles and how you can use those to evaluate your design so you can tell whether you've come up with something that is actually 
a valid or worthy design to take forward. And then, you know, taking the next steps to, you know, developing the quilt pattern from that, writing the quilt pattern, you know, up to, uh, you know, writing the instructions and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. And prior knowledge to, say, for example, using any of like the Adobe suites, like um, Illustrator or Photoshop, is that required prior to being part of your course? Not required prior to, no. Like I said, there is a real uh, focus on design, particularly in this course. Like there are other pattern writing courses that are out there that I see that focus really much on on the pattern writing process itself. But I feel Mm -hmm. like it's important to really start before that and really look at the design and how to come up with a design idea and then how to develop that design um, so that you're really confident about what you're actually working on instead of just jumping in and and creating the first thing that pops into your mind and spending a lot of time on something that then might not actually be uh, that appealing to other people or or that you might have a harder time trying to to sell. So really the course is going to take you from like through this this more involved design process to go deeper into your design skills and developing those. And then it will also uh, show you how to use the kind of industry standard package, which is Adobe. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Illustrator and InDesign uh, are primarily what I use to do quilt patterns. And uh, yeah, we'll take a look at those. Uh, with some alternatives as well if people aren't interested in in investing in o- Adobe. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. It be can get pretty that. pricey. It I can. I think, I think yeah. you can really get away with just purchasing Illustrator and then you mm-hmm. can do your layouts in Canva, for example, or uh, other. PowerPoint. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, PowerPoint. Amanda, you guys Amanda PowerPoint has PowerPoint freaks, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Love a good deck. Love PowerPoint. Okay, yeah, cool. I really do. I know you'd um, be surprised. Like Amanda and I do it on PowerPoint. Wow. Have you no. guys had a look in Canva yet? Have you played Canva, with Canva? Yeah, we've done we've for like Quilt Buzz Bingo, we did it all in Canva. Mm. I found it a little bit more fussy. Um mm. yeah. I think what I love about PowerPoint is how it locks into place. So everything is nice yeah, and aligned. Okay. Like it just has. It, yeah, it's I mean, so, InDesign. I mean, built. that's what I use InDesign for because it's yeah. you know mm. it's made for layouts, right? It's made for people to lay yes. out magazines and documents Newspapers. and things like that. And, yeah. and, I, and I'd like to I'd like to explore InDesign more. It's just it's one of those things. I think with any of the Adobe products, there is a steep learning curve, and it's just by the time I'm finally laying out a pattern, like I just want it done. It is not yeah. the time for me to start yeah. learning something. Yeah. I'd really but, like um, to. I'd really like the course to be kind of. Uh, focusing on what you what are the minimum things that you need to know about these software packages I mean I am by no means a super expert in InDesign or Illustrator or uh, Photoshop I mean they are just infinite programs right they're so vast Mm -hmm. it's impossible for one person to know all of them about everything but to know enough to use them uh, they're they're quite powerful programs right to know enough to use them to your advantage so that you can speed up your your uh, production process when it comes to uh, working out the final parts of your design um, and using them as a tool as well in the kind of iterative process of your design uh, process, you need to design, uh, yeah, your design process so that you can uh, try out a few things that you might spend way too long on if you were doing them in any other means, like analog means, you know, with fabric or pens or paper. You mentioned uh, when you introduced yourself that you're really about, you know, helping others develop, you know, discover their own creativity and develop their own unique design style. Um, so kind of what's your best advice for someone striking off on their own for the first time? Step number one is turn off social media 
and stop scrolling and looking what everyone else is doing. And, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, stop looking at the internet, you know. Close your social media. Get out Go and about. Open your eyes, look and observe and see what it is that strikes you. What, what, are you. what are you interested in? Is it just the things that you're being shown or are you interested in other things that you're seeing around you? You know, like you need to be a bit more of an active gatherer of inspiration and an active participant in the input into your design brain if you know what I mean and then you know it doesn't stop there so you need to filter those ideas through your own kind of design black box which is your brain and your experiences and then you need to take that idea and go a little bit deeper it's the same as what I mentioned earlier you know you can't just take you know the first idea that comes into your mind and run with that go a little bit deeper it's not just about snap a photo and draw the outlines of what you can see it's what happens next? What do you do with that next? How do you take that, that idea or that design or that drawing? And what you do with it next is really the part that will let you come to a better understanding of your own design skill and your own design aesthetic and your own design voice really in the end. And that's what you're trying to do. When you, when you get off social media and the internet and kind of detox from everything that's being um, shown to you, do you keep a journal or how do you kind of track ideas or notice trends in what inspires you or, you know? I have a couple of different ways. So yeah, I have a few different sketchbooks. I have one that I kind of take around with me and I'm looking at things all the time. I have a bigger one in my studio that I will work in, one that I keep with kind of my journal that I might do in the morning kind of pages sort of thing. So if I'm sitting there and something looks to me from a different angle, a little bit cooler than it did the day before. I might sketch it out, you know. Um, and I also, obviously, like we all do, we have our phones with us all the time, so take photos and things like that. But as I mentioned, it's not just about snap the photo and that's it. You know, you need to have a method or a way to go back and review those things and those ideas that have come to you and that you've you've captured. And uh, that's kind of really about the design process that I, that I, that I teach in the course. You know, it's about these processes of taking those ideas that you've got and then what next? You know, what's the next step? How do you go deeper with those ideas? And part of that that idea generation is the inspiration gathering and things like that. Um, so, yeah, sketching, taking photos, but most importantly of all, reviewing those things that you're sketching and reviewing those photos that you're taking and then doing something with those ideas. The next step, that's, the, that's kind of the important part. And just, sorry, going back... Um, you also have a design your own quilt in five steps. So is that a condensed version of your upcoming design course? Yeah, the guide is kind of a look into that process that I've been talking about, right? So coming up with an idea, um, iterating that idea and going a little bit deeper, evaluating that idea using design principles and then, uh, you know, what next? How do you take that design further? You know, that's really what the course will be about and that's what the guide um, is an, is kind of a, a beginnings of, of that as well, an introduction to that process. So you're a big data nerd and love to track all your quilting projects. So for those that are data curious out there, um, why would you recommend folks to start tracking their making process? Well, I think uh, time and memory can really play great tricks on us, right? And that, that quilt that you started last month, Actually, it turns out you started that 12 months ago and it's still sitting there. <laughs> I did that recently with this quilt behind me, actually. I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just um, finish putting the facing on this and, you know, I'll go and write it in my tracker. It's probably been a few months since, I, maybe two months since I started this. Yeah, I started this quilt in June last year and I just finished it uh, about two weeks ago. 
So that whole idea that what you think is happening in reality, this is going to sound really strange, what you think is happening in reality isn't actually reality. Time goes past so much faster than we kind of think it does, right? And so you kind of lose track of all those things. So for me, it's kind of a great way to realise how much time I have invested into a piece over over the course of a year or month or a week or however long it is that takes up. And I also like it in terms of record keeping. So to go back and say, okay, well, what did I make last year? I can tally that up less as a kind of a competitive sort of thing, but more of a, um, uh, I guess, kind of a quantification of how much uh, how much uh, physical work I've been able to produce because it's very easy to get caught up in all the other things you do with a creative business, you know, like online stuff and this and that and everything else and you kind of lose track of the actual physical making part. So that's, for me, a really grounding part of that. Uh, and I also like to see um, it's also good. It's, a, it's good as a record as well because you can go back and see the size and a few of the details about it. So if you want to... Uh, keep track of that for, I don't know, entering competitions or just for your own curiosity's sake, like how many quilts over 40 inches did I make last year or how many quilts under 40 inches did I make, the kind of thing you can have a look at that as well. How, what, how many uh, columns do you have or how many data points are you tracking for each quilt? Not that many actually, probably more than I have columns for and I just kind of write them in and then I <laughs> add more as I go. So I guess I start an end date, um, size, materials I haven't really gotten into like how many hours per quilt or anything like that I'm not quite that not you're not tracking how many different colors of yellow no but that's an excellent (laughs) excellent suggestion I'm gonna have to add that you're welcome (laughs) write that down yeah write write Um, that down I won't charge you for that one I have like a whole numbering system for my quilts as well do you guys number your quilts I definitely number my quilts so yeah, I'm up to you like know, next number. Like zero zero one was my first. Quilt. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Like printmaking. Yeah, almost. kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. So I do number yeah. them. Maybe that's a bit too nerdy. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should start doing that. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have a tracker that people can download. So yeah, so if people head over to my website aliride.com on the homepage. There, you'll be able to see. I'll have it up there. You can download my uh, quilt tracker. Uh, it's just really basic. It doesn't go into, it's not too nerdy. It's not too overwhelming. Don't worry. It's just got the basics that you need. And I've got some um, columns on the end there where you can track, you know, what stage of the quilt you're in and all that kind of stuff too. Sorry, I'm visually showing these guys, but, you know, probably yeah. can't see that. <laughs> well, that's just an excuse to go to your website and download it. Yeah, so that's up there. So grab that and you can uh, track along with me. On that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Allie? I think so. Okay. When did you pick us off? <laughs> you better be because I'm going to ask the first one. Uh, what's your favorite time of day to quilt? Quiet time. And where do you sew? Uh, in my studio slash office. Do you wear shoes while quilting? No, I am pretty much a 100% barefoot person. Uh, music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence while sewing? Definitely music sometimes and definitely podcasts sometimes, but I also really like the sound of silence. So do you have a favorite snack while quilting? Yeah, I don't know. Does a cup of tea count? Because I don't really eat while I'm quilting. I'm so excited to ask this question. What is your favorite Excel formula? Oh, I know. (laughs) You know what? This is a hard one. I had to think about this. And, you know, I don't know if it's like a specific formula, but I love using tables in the in the spreadsheet instead of just the spreadsheet, right? Because you have so many more functions that are available to you. 
but I also really love being able to transpose the columns to the rows because sometimes I decide that I want them the other way around and it's it's much easier than like trying to copy and paste everything one by one you can just transpose so I like that it's very satisfying yeah yes very satisfying I'm a concatenate Mm. fan myself if anyone else enjoys a good concatenation yes Mm. yum yum (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you have a favorite traditional blog um I think probably the HST but I really find the log cabin pretty fascinating and I'd like to do a bit more log cabin exploration and what is your favorite color? Acid lime. And do you have a particular uh, favorite brand of solids that you like to use? I, uh, I've only ever tried using Kona because that's the only one that I can really get hold of here. But uh, I don't tend to use a lot of branded quilting fabric just because what I have available is other and or upcycled. <laughs> uh, what color fabric do you use the most? White. And solids or print fabrics? Uh, solids. I love prints and I wish I could use them more, but I think definitely solids. Uh, what is the last fabric you bought? I'm pretty sure it was fluoro yellow canvas, which is kind of waterproof. For yeah. a specific project? Yeah. No, fantastic. just because it was like end of roll, end of roll off, uh, like an off cut at this mm. uh, fabric place that I get things from. And who could resist fluoro yellow canvas? Not me. Yeah. No. And uh, speaking of quilt shops, do you have a favorite one that you like to shop at? Yeah, this is amazing. Okay, so through this quilt improv studio, these wonderful ladies from Italy taught me about a quilt shop in Trieste. Wait for it. The name is Patchwork Victim. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm dying. Best name ever. But Patchwork Victim, I mean, come on. This is is like in Italy. Like, you know, they're not, it's not an English speaking country. What is your favorite step in your five steps in designing your own quilts? Definitely the iterate part. So iterate and repeat until you get something amazing. And what's your favorite type of schedule? Anyone that I'm not worried about using because it's too special. Do you have a favorite pen or pencil to sketch out your quilt designs? I love using Copic markers and Micron pens. And what sewing notion you can live about? Uh, a thimble or maybe even two. Do you have a specific type of thimble? Uh, I've just started using one that has like a hard white surface on the front of the pad and it's mm. silicon on the back. What sewing machine do you sew on? I sew on a Benina 350 patchwork edition that I got before I even knew I was going to be a quilter and thankfully it came with a walking foot. Oh, preordained. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite rule size that you like to work with? Yeah, six and a half by 24 inches. It was my mom's. She gave it to me and I managed, she managed to keep it pristine for many, many years until I dropped it and two of the corners are chipped <sighs> now, but uh, it's still good. <laughs> and what thread brand do you use? I use Gooderman for piecing. Uh, I've started using Madeira a lot lately as well because my Benina shop lady told me that that's better. And just a side note, you know that Aurifil comes from Italy, but actually it's surprisingly hard to find Aurifil here. Like most people have really? never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Pressing preference, do you have one? No, I think I press anyway, especially with improv. You just go whichever way it goes. Pick one, HSTs, curves, or stripes. Striped HSTs? Ooh. And do you have a go-to long-arm quilter? No, I've never had any quilts long-armed. Um, I would love to send one to Eva Steiner of Schnickschnag one day, but I think I don't know if my quilt tops are quite worthy enough yet to send them to such an amazing long-armer. Uh, machine or hand-bind? 
uh, machine to the front and hand stitch to the back. The last moment you have to infuse more love into the quilt. Um, spray pin or thread base? Thread. I did thread basing for ages until I discovered that you could use pins. But I also like to do thread basing sometimes to give me lines, reference lines for quilting. I, uh, yeah. I love thread basting. Pre-wash, always, sometimes, never. Well, it's a lot of um, uh, upcycled fabrics, so I'm assuming that they've all been pre-washed. And what's your favourite part of the quilting process? The designing! <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favourite part of the quilting process? Ah, oh, the quilting. I never know what to do. <laughs> and what's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Uh, procrastinating the quilting because often all my quilts, quilts just sit there. Uh, waiting for me to finish them and I procrastinate the quilting so much and really in probably a couple of hours I could just have them quilted. Do you have a uh, quilty BFF? Yeah um, this is another internet connection so she's Orla of Diddy and Meg Makes on Instagram and we connected through um, a course we did together. And who's your quilty crush? Uh, Susan Evans. Oh yeah. I think she's s.b.evans. Yeah yes. What is your favorite recent make? Um, a shadow study that I did as part of the black and white series that I'm working on. And how many quilts are in your work in progress pile right now? Eight-ish, maybe, maybe more. Where do you store your whips? So they're stored on a dumb servant in my studio. Do you know what those are? Like the, um, the racks that you ha would hang a shirt on and your suit pants over. They're kind of like those old oh, yeah, school yeah, yeah, yeah. clothes hanging things. Yeah. Mm. So I've got one of those and it's really good to just hang things over as you go. So there's a you know, the pile's increasing, but they're there. Otherwise, they're hanging up in my closet with uh, coat hangers. Um, do you have any other interests or hobbies? Uh, there weren't enough already. I don't know. Um, uh, business geek stuff and probably collecting and consuming stationery. Okay, so now we've got just a couple more questions for you. Uh, first up is who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? All right, well, the first is an amazing photographer. He's French. His name is Matisse Tice. So it's M-A-T-H-I-S-T-E-I-S, -I -I and that's all together for his Instagram handle. And he does these amazing, amazing photos, very minimal, beautiful. So check those out. Uh, the second is, maybe you guys know this already, Present and Correct, which is a stationery store in London. Oh. Their Instagram is just like oh, mouth-watering. All the time, yes. <laughs> Bad influence. Yeah, yeah sorry. Probably not helping you guys. No. Yeah. <laughs> and the third one is a textile designer and artist called Kangan Aurora. She's done some work for Ikea, some things for floor story, rugs, things like that. Um, she's got some amazing photos, colours, uh, shapes, all kinds of things on her feed as well. And before we sign off, do you have any fun projects in the horizon that you are able to share with our listeners? Sure. So, yeah, my quilt design course is going to be opening up for registration in September. So get recharged over summer and come ready to supercharge your quilt design skills in September. And you also mentioned that you have a, um, a special page for Quilt Buzz listeners. I do. I also have a special something for Quilt Buzz listeners. So if you want to head over to alleyride.com forward slash buzz and get ready to change your point of view. <laughs>
Oh, and it's Ally Ride. It's spelled as R Y D E. Yeah, so it's A L L Y R Y D E. So we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio. Wendy. I am the dot weekend filter. Anna, who couldn't join us today, is at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Allie. I'm at Allie Ride. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.